okay, so it's a hundred thousand dollar property. It's we got it for sixty. The rents are suppressed, and if we buy it the way it is right now, and we have to pay a ten percent premium because it's such a small property, and just so everyone's clear, the lower the value of the property, the higher the interest is going to be because the lender has to make some cash on the return. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey everyone, welcome to Big Fat Real Estate Checks, a podcast where we talk about cash flowing real estate using none of your own money. I am joined today with Gabriel Araish and Frank Garuccio who are my two buddies, my two friends, my two pals, brothers from another mother, uh, folks that I've been working with, dealing with, wanting to strangle for a very long time. We have a lot of fun together and obviously buy property together, uh, have a private equity fund together and do a whole lot of fun things all over the world together. And uh, today we're going to be discussing, should we narrow cast our marketing uh, for the areas or condition areas or high areas, low areas or just general direction as to where should we be marketing and should we be really focusing on specific areas or should can we pretty much shotgun anywhere and then figure out where that lands and uh, we're going to have that conversation in an honest and uh, open way have not planned this as we plan zero of any of our podcast really we just uh, go where the wind takes us and hopefully we develop some pretty good content gotten some great feedback so far appreciate you very much the listener for uh, hanging in there and listening to us ramble for shit over what almost 80 episodes now so we're very very grateful that you are uh, you are there listening downloading and enjoying and sharing and if you are not sharing shame on you share right now share share to tweet share and uh, help us uh, get this message across that uh, anyone can uh, buy cash flowing real estate as long as you know how. And there's going to be a lot of knowledge based things that we're going to be discussing today because if you are not marketing correctly, you're going to be wasting a lot of time. And if you are not marketing correctly, you're also going to be wasting a lot of money since we spend zero cash and very little time in marketing if you know what you're doing. So uh, I, I know we started the conversation. We have our, our Tuesday meetings and we discussed people, uh, humans that are in the program that are struggling and you know what their ch- challenges are and how can we really help and serve them to the highest level. What content can we create or uncreate? Sometimes I have too much content and it can get confusing when there's you know drinking water from a fire hose, all these little nuances. And uh, I think we were discussing you know cash flowing on single families because I, I, I also uh, have a single family process and I think... You were, uh, Gabe and Frank were having a heated debate about, you know, the strategy there. So let's start there and see where the wind takes us from there. So who wants to start? A lot of the support, you know, support tickets we look into with with with, with some of uh, some of the students are, are around. I don't want to call it just single family, but I guess what we call residential properties. So anything up to including a four unit. And the process is different when it's, uh, you know, a, a commercial property or let's say it's a five units and above or when it's a residential. So ultimately, we want to get to what's the most we can pay for something. And a lot of the times on a, on a residential deal, you know, you'll get the, the number down to where you want it or a lot lower than where you want it as, as a maximum amount. And then there's this excitement where, oh, great, you know, I got this deal and it's, it's, it's well under the, 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 the maximum amount we want to pay for. 
or I don't yeah, mean to yeah. interject, but let's use numbers so the listener isn't going yeah. maximum amount. What like give me an example? If I'm driving or I'm you know I'm running or I'm on my bike, I'd like to have a number. So let's say it's a three unit and it's worth a hundred thousand dollars and seventy thousand. Let's call it sixty thousand is what we got it for, which is thirty percent off minus repairs, and we're at sixty. So let's just use that number. Sure, forgive you got for, it. No, that's fine. That, that's fine. I that, and no, I you need numbers. I get it. Sixty thousand is where you have it at. So essentially, it's it's worth a hundred. You get it for sixty. Uh, beautiful. In, in theory, that's that sounds like an amazing deal, but. Can you really buy and hold this property? So if the property, you're getting it at 60,000, let's assume that you're getting it 100% finance because if you follow this podcast, this is it's, it's not only possible, this is how you're supposed to do it. And let's again, take the assumption that just to make numbers easy, that you're getting a fully financed $60,000 at 10%. So that's going to cost you $6,000 a year to get this property, well, just for the lending part. So you need to make at least $6,000 for this to make sense, right? But now if the property is only yielding $4,000, of net operating income. Now you're upside down $2,000. You have a you have $4,000 left in, at the end of the year, but you have $6,000 worth of, you know, mortgage payments to make. All of a sudden this doesn't sound like a great deal. And and this is this is part of the process where there's a lot of confusion because yes, the number makes sense based on value, but does it make sense for the strategy that you want to employ, which is in this case a buy and hold. So obviously Clearly, unless you're in the business of, you know, losing money, then you would be doing really great with this deal. But, you know, in our business where we want to make money, this isn't a great deal structured this way. Now, does this mean that this is not a good deal for another strategy? And that's, I think, where we want to get to here. So I don't know, Frank, you want to take the lead from here? No, I agree with you. And like you said, residential and commercial, two different beasts, two different calculations that we learn. And we also know that you can make money pretty much on anything. It's just your strategy is obviously going to change. And I see a lot of these come across where, you know, the students or everyone get, you know, gets it at a great deal. Uh, like you said, that 60000 on a $100,000 property, you got to start looking at other options now. And you know what? Even the cash flow, just because it's cash flowing right now and it, and it may be in a negative, it could be that the, the rents are suppressed. So there's a little bit more home work that you have to do again you don't do this all up front you do it after you have it on the contract right uh, but there's a little bit more homework you want to do on the market area maybe get a help for, for, with the realtor and ask for you know we did this game we, we phoned the realtor and say can you give us a comp compare um, a rental comparison for that area because we had mishmash numbers uh, you know is it renting for a thousand for a two bedroom is it renting for 1500 like the variance was too big so you can do that to see if it's still a good strategy to buy and hold uh, but ultimately if the numbers is what it is you have many other strategies you can do by exiting by flipping it by wholesaling it uh by holding it even for a certain period of time and improving it so it may be worth 100 today but maybe i can make it worth 140 um you know in six months or in three months if i do some you know fixer uppers you know maybe it's got the shaggy rug from uh, the brady bunch Right. Right. And I just to say that there's also a level of experience that's required to do, you know, this last strategy. So you want to make sure that if you're going to get into a deal where you're banking on, you know, future appreciation based on work that you're putting in, well, you know, there's again, this, it's something that you have to consider what the costs are and where the money's coming from. So the objective here is for you to come in with no money down or just get into the property without any of your own money. Then if you're going to get into these strategies of forced appreciation is, is what Frank is discussing, where you're going to add value to the property by either making the the units nicer cleaner you know uh, modernizing them and then increasing the rents to force the appreciation of the property and then yes you'll probably end up cash flowing after that but ultimately this is something that requires a lot of experience and and this is not something that we'd probably recommend on your first deal for sure not and man there's so many things that we could pick apart here which is extremely exciting since we're always struggling over what are we going to say 
now things just start flowing, which is great. One of the reasons I love this is, okay, so it's a $100,000 property. It's We got it for 60. The rents are suppressed. And if we buy it the way it is right now, and we have to pay a 10% premium because it's such a small property. And just so everyone's clear, the lower the value of the property, the higher the interest is going to be because the lender has to make some cash on the return. If you're lending out $100,000, uh, you're going to make a lot less cash wise than if you're lending a million. So the higher the value of the asset is, the lower it generally the interest rate is and I'm saying that's general rule because you, you're making a lot more money on a on a larger you're making less interest on a larger amount but you're still making more money because your money's out more so hopefully that kind of makes sense so a 10% interest is not an unusual amount of interest on a small asset just to circle back on that statement that Gabe made earlier so 10% your gross income from all the rents might be you know let's call it seven and after taxes insurance maintenance management you're only left with uh, four, you know, you're left with four grand and your cost of carrying is six. I just want to circle back to what Gabe said. So there's absolutely zero chance we're going to buy and hold, right? And so can't use that. Now, should we not do that deal? Absolutely not. Can we pivot into what Frank was saying, which is uh, raise the rents perhaps? Well, make sure you know what the hell you're doing and you're not raising the rents too prematurely because if you raise the rents too quickly, hey, it's suppressed. Uh, these rents could be doubled and you suddenly double the rents. What do you think is going to happen to your population of tenants? It's going to go bye-bye. See you later. Sayonara. Nice to see you. I'm not staying here anymore. You know, you guys crazy. And now you have a zero income building. And if you don't have the resources to actually support it, you're going to be F-U-C-K'd. So you have to be very, very careful. I just want to add that there's also a reason why the rents are suppressed. So going from your current rents to doubling the rents is is not only a bad idea because people will leave. It's also because your your property in its current state probably doesn't commend double the, the rent. So market value is not also equal to what your property looks like at that time. Hold on. I want to add to that one. So you're right. In most times, that is a true statement, Gabe. But mm -hmm. sometimes you want the tenants to leave, especially if you're doing the forced appreciation where it's so suppressed because that's the clientele that's that that can't afford that particular property so if you don't want that clientele and you have you're going to go into that forced appreciation so you know what i'm going to be and there's a lot of lender guys out there there's a lot of lenders especially on residential they'll give you 100 percent financing on the rehab uh, but you're going to have what's called carrying costs like you still have to pay insurance you still got to uh, you know make sure you got uh pay your property taxes and you know the utilities are on obviously you're not going to consume as much utilities as if a tenant's there but but you're still going to have some carrying costs for that three four whatever it is five months or my case 18 months <laughs> on a bigger that's on a bigger property in all fairness that's on a bigger property it's a but six months project I'll be done yeah. in six months don't worry yeah. Marco I'm not living at your house for a very long time 18 months later uh, Frank get the fuck out of my house yeah that's uh, after, after that was, claiming residency well yeah yeah after claiming residency <laughs> oh it's exactly it's uh, that's in another podcast folks you wake up but, in the middle uh, of the night and there's like a beard on your back like Frank get out of my get out of my bed Frank not Linda. Oh my goodness, that sounds sick, but that's true. Okay, but other than the bed, the bed part, yes. <laughs> I was living. I I was staying at your place, Marco. Thanks for your hospitality. Oh, I appreciate pleasure. you. Just, your beard's oh, a little, your beard's a little a little rough. I, I cried and laughed uh, at Marco's. Yeah, but going back to what I was saying, so if you're going on the other route where the rents are suppressed, and you could, and we actually we're going through something like this now, where the rents are really suppressed, and we know we're gonna have to fix up the place, and once we do the rent 
rents are going up at least uh, two thirds. We're going to lose people. That's inevitable. We're going to lose people. But I think that's for the better because that's not the clientele that we're trying to attract for that particular property. I want to circle back to this is not your first rodeo. So we have the capacity to be able to handle this project or any other project of that nature or even the one where you are 18 months with zero cash flow coming in. It was not something that killed you. If you're on your first deal and you're buying a unit and you have to have a year of carrying costs and you don't know what you should be doing as far as improving the property, a mistake that I see inherently is, oh, we can raise the rent where you're investing five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 to improve each unit and you're only going to get a $10, $20 bump in rents. And that's another mistake that I see, which could be done. You know, that's a conversation on a whole other podcast if we haven't done it already is, are you over fixing the property for the rental increase that's possible? I feel like we've discussed this before. My spider sense is tingling saying that, you know, I saw a building that was, I think the toilets were there since the 1920s. Like they really have not been improved since the 1920s. These are 1920s toilets. All right. So those are the pink toilets, right? The uh, pink and the blue I, toilets? I think it was before pink even was there. I think <laughs> pink is more on the 70s and 60s yeah, yeah. and 50s. This is like pre this. This is like war era. Yet they uh, work better than our current toilets. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is so you can yeah old. So you could increase the rents, but only about 50 bucks if you renovated the entire toilets. I mean, the bathrooms, which doesn't make sense because it's going to cost you way more to renovate the, you know, four or $5,000 just to do the necessary upgrades for, because it was old kitchens and old toilets and old bathrooms. For 50 bucks, it doesn't make sense. You're not going to get enough upside on the rents in order to put the money in that's necessary. So you, there's a balance. Again, experience, knowledge, and I highly recommend having someone that knows what the hell they're doing to sit down next to you and give you a real roadmap as to what you should be doing, not doing, and not just doing it because it can be done. It should be, are you doing it because it should be done? You know, you can do anything, but should you? So you're saying a granite countertops and marble floors in a 1970 mobile home is not a great idea. Maybe 1950s mobile home. I think you should make 1950s. it the Taj Mahal and then get, gotcha. you know, get, right. you got a pretty smile with all them teeth. You mind if I bring my 19 chickens and uh, my little pig here? I hear you. Woo-wee. Uh, yeah, so go ahead, Gabe. I was just going to say, we got to reel the fish in now and <laughs> just maybe come back to the initial the initial discussion. Just if you're starting off and you have this type of deal where you're going to be upside down on cash flow, then obviously you're not going to buy it for that strategy. Could you still put it under contract and do something else with it? The answer is a definite yes. So the important thing here and the message that we want to pass is understand exit strategies as well and not just don't go in with only one idea in mind. Go in with, hey, let me get this at the best possible number and then from there based on that number we can then assess what type of exit strategy you're going to be using. Are you going to buy it and hold it? If it's cash flowing, sure. Are you going to wholesale it? If it's not cash flowing, probably. Frank, go ahead. I, I was just going to add to that. With, no, with the exit strategy, it's like your home, right? You, every year, you're supposed to do uh, your fire drill with your family. Don't have one exit. <laughs> what if that exit's blocked? You're fucked. You're, okay. you're done. So have more than one exit, right? Gabe, is that right? Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to picture your kids when you're rounding them up to do the fire drill every year. Dad, again. You know what? I got this steel ladder that we never used because we're very hot. My house on the back end is very high. So I got the steel ladder. I was like, how do we get down? So I bought the steel ladder. I still don't even know how to mount it. So if there's a fire, we're screwed. We're throwing the ladder. I, yeah. I think we should but, cut this out of the podcast. I'm just, yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely leaving that in. You should have a fire drill 
or you know how to get out. You don't have one exit. By the way, we only have one exit, and we're screwed <laughs> if there's a fire. <laughs> yes. Well, that well that's the point. You're screwed if you only have drill. one exit. Yes. There you go. That's hilarious. You still did the drill. So, but we do. Oh. do you, the drill is we're fucked. All right, guys. Just there's burn three umbrellas. Crispy. They just leave seven, five umbrellas by by the window, Mary Poppins style. Oh that's, my goodness. That's so funny. Exit strategies come with experience and or knowledge. And the more exit strategies that you do have, the more money you're going to make. And that comes down to investing in either yourself and making mistakes for 20 years or finding someone that can mentor you so you don't have to make the mistakes for the next 20 years. There are probably, not probably, there are 27 different exit strategies on a property that either is at full price to, down to a significant discount, like what Gabe was saying earlier. Uh, there's so many ways that we can monetize this. It won't be buy and hold. But it actually could be buy and hold if you know what you're doing. So every, and this podcast is designed really for the beginner listener, someone that is not necessarily in the program that I teach. This is very just superficial information. There's great information, but we could go really deep on one topic. And in fact, I take three days on just a very small little sliver of a topic and I can, I can really, you know, dissect it to death and have multiple exit strategies on one little idea. And that's really the, the key is having the understanding of what's possible when you get to a situation where, okay, the cash flow doesn't work. Then what do we do? We pivot. If that doesn't work. What do we do? We pivot again. We pivot. We keep pivoting. It's like all sports, right? As soon as you have something that's in front of you, you pivot and you change and you go in different directions until you get to the net or the goal or whatever you're trying to reach. There's always pivoting that happens. And the better the player, the better they know how to pivot. And that's just how it works in our business as well. So without going forever on this topic, there's another side topic as well, which is the area. So now we got the number that doesn't work. Well, what about if the area doesn't work out? So we're going to hit the pause button for this. So you're not listening to four hour podcast, which would make Frank very happy, but most of our listeners not. So let's... Uh, just kidding, Frank. You know I love you. And uh, yeah, so we're going to hit the pause button. And our, on our next uh, adventure, we're going to get into what happens if we get into an area that's really bad. And should, should we avoid those areas to begin with if we're not really going to be buying and holding in those areas? What if it's a shitty area? Should we just avoid them altogether? And I'll answer that question on the next podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and all our shenaniganry. And I'm looking forward to the next one. And I hope you join us on the next one. Share it, love it. And of course, send any comments that you might have. And if you're interested in learning, being mentored by us and having a lot of fun, making a ton of money, send us an email, marco at marcokazowski.com. Love to help you in any way, shape or form that we can. Love to serve you at the highest possible level. Have a phenomenal, phenomenal day. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.